Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is time for Old Testament. I am loving this series, as I I know many of you are. And uh, today we've got uh, Pastor Colin Smith joining me in just a minute. But we're going to talk about Zerubbabel today. And if if it wasn't for Colin, I'd be in trouble, because i got to be honest, there's not a lot I know about Zerubbabel. I know he was appointed as one of the initial leaders who supervised the reconstruction of the Jerusalem Temple. I know he's listed in the Bible as an ancestor of Jesus Christ, and he has a fun name to pronounce. After that, that's about all I know. So it's going to be great to have Pastor Colin Smith with us today. He is a senior pastor of the Orchid Evangelical Free Church in the Chicago area. He's also the founder and teaching pastor of Unlocking the Bible, which we hear every day right here at Faith Radio. So always thrilled to have Colin with us. Colin, welcome. Bill, it's always a pleasure to be with you, and I love your love for the Scriptures, and I know that those who listen to your program share that love, so it's a marvelous thing to have an open Bible and be able to talk about it together. Ah, fantastic. Hey, before we start, Colin, I'm just curious. I know you've got, uh, let's see, you've got five granddaughters. How would you describe them? How about uh, Perfect. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that, because that would be a denial of a fundamental biblical principle. But I would say they're a delight and they're a joy and a tremendous blessing to us. They're uh, at the moment nine years old, down to four. And uh, so they're all fairly close in ages together. And uh, one side of the family is about an hour away from us in uh, Chicago. And the other side of the family is about four hours away from us in Indianapolis. And, okay. Uh, both sides of the family love the Lord, and oh, so we're joy- we just rejoice that our granddaughters are being brought up in the same way as our sons were brought up. Yeah. All right, Colin, just for the record, let's call them near perfect. How's that? <laughs> they are a joy and a delight for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, my uh, listeners and I, we both love studying God's Word, and when we started this Old Testament series about uh, five or six months ago, uh, we found that we were uh, amazed at how deep and rich and full it was, and the characters that we were studying were fascinating. And when you agreed to come on the program and talk about Zerubbabel, I was frankly uh, really happy. So thank you for uh, doing this today. I I don't know a lot about Zerubbabel, and I'm very uh, anxious to learn. Well, um, uh, we're really looking uh, at the first part of the book of Ezra. It's a it's a fascinating book because although it bears the name of Ezra, Ezra himself doesn't actually appear until the seventh chapter, and there are only ten chapters. So what's going on in the first six chapters is what happened with God's people returning from exile before the time of Ezra. He's really recounting history of what happened as the good hand of God was on his people. And all of that happened under the leadership of our man Zerubbabel. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so he really is the central figure of uh, most of the book of Ezra, although uh, the book itself uh, obviously bears uh, Ezra's name. And he also pops up um, in the prophecy of, of Haggai, because both Haggai and Zechariah 
were prophets raised up by God during this particular period um, of history. And they actually referred to Zerubbabel and they had a key influence in his life. And no doubt we'll get into that as we talk a little bit about the story. But uh, uh, yes, I mean, uh, I've probably got two um, uh, reasons for suggesting Zerubbabel. One, because I've been preaching through the book of uh, Ezra uh, earlier uh, this year and just thinking about the significance of a new beginning after a long period of disruption, which is really what the, the book is all about. Uh, God's people starting up again after these years of, of exile that had been so, so difficult. And then a more lighthearted reason is I love saying the name's Zerubbabel. And <laughs> any Scottish person's going to like that. So. <laughs> Nobody says it like you, Colin. Let, let's, put, let's put Zerubbabel in some context, though. Tell me about his family and uh, his upbringing and what we can know about him. I think, was his father Sheltiel? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, so he came from a distinguished uh, line but of course, the most significant thing about him is that he was one of God's people um, born in exile. I mean, we're coming into the story where after years and years of God's people being utterly resistant to his word and um, refusing to repent, that uh, God exercised discipline in regards to his own people. And uh, the king of Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, his armies came against Jerusalem, and despite the false prophets who said, oh, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine, uh, because the temple is here, uh, God allowed his own temple to be destroyed, and the city where God had placed his name, the city of Jerusalem, to be um, brought to ruin. There were a few people who escaped. Many, many people lost their lives. It was a time of extraordinary tragedy. And uh, the book of Lamentations, of course, was written. Jeremiah's Lamentations were written at that time where God's people were taken off into exile and Jeremiah's kind of walking around in the ruins of this destroyed, smoldering city and just heartbroken at what has come uh, 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 under uh, the discipline of God on, on his people. And that exile lasted for 70 long years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, is, it is extraordinary. And uh, so you have uh, characters like Daniel in the Old Testament, whose story, of course, is very, very well known, and his strong witness in Babylon and his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you have Ezekiel, um, uh, who was a, a, a priest, and uh, he seems to have just been coming up to his 30th birthday um, when uh, 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 he's shipped off to Babylon. And the significance of that is that as a priest, he would have begun his ministry on his 30th birthday. Mm. Uh, but how can a priest uh, exercise his ministry where he's thousands of miles from the temple and the temple itself has been destroyed? So um, uh, that's where you have God's people um, uh, expressing the pain of uh, uh, of the Psalms in words like, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And uh, Zerubbabel must have been born there. He would have been part of the exilic community. He would have grown up hearing about um, the city of God that was now destroyed, the temple of God that now lay in ruins. He'd never have seen it. He just grew up in exile until the time when everything changed. And uh, through Cyrus, 
God opened the door for his people to return. Mm-hmm. Colin, did he have some uh, royalty in his uh, family? Uh, was it uh, King Jehoiakim was his grandfather? Uh, yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, indeed. And uh, that that's a, a remarkable story as to how the royal line continued, because the the last uh, of the uh, King Zedekiah, of course, uh, um, was cruelly uh, killed after all of his uh, his own sons were killed. So it was really through the the, the line of um, uh, Jehoiachin. I always remember him as being the man with the chin, <laughs> <laughs> because there's Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin. But the one with the chin <laughs> was the one who gets into the line that leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh-huh. uh, and of course, that... Uh, that, that, of course, is the most important thing about anyone, isn't it? That yep. there's a relationship between that person and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was, by descent, a relationship uh, between Zerubbabel uh, and our Lord Jesus, just as for us there is a relationship by faith. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, a royalty with the grandfather, um, and we're just trying to piece together some of the, the family dynamics. He grew up in a, in a, a well-to-do sort of yep. home, and so he was... He had some advantages, huh? Yes, he did. Um, But of course, that's one of the things that was a real challenge, that when the time came where there was a decree allowing God's people to return, the question was, how many of them would go? And precisely for the reason that you identify that many of them actually did very well in Babylon. They set up little businesses. They Mm. started farming land. You know, and this had been going on for 70 years. So you were talking about people in the second, third, fourth generations after 70 years. Uh, And um, uh, are they inclined at that point, the second and third generation, to to uproot and and say, we'll leave everything that we've been building here? I asked myself that question. Would would I have gone if I had established a life and a family and and a little business and all of these things? And suddenly the call is... um, there's an opportunity to go back and rebuild the city of God. Would, would, would I have done that? Well, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. And you're right in saying that Zerubbabel, with all of his privileges, and uh, no doubt quite well to do, um, it's remarkable that this man saw that the first thing is not simply to pursue my own comfort, but the first thing is to do the thing that most honors the Lord. And that's what he did. And he led others to do the same. And I think that's a very striking thing about this good man. Mm-hmm. Pastor Colin Smith is uh, my guest, and we're talking about Zerubbabel in our Old Testament series. Uh, Colin, when you uh, consider the Jewish people, when they, when they look at Zerubbabel, what were they seeing in him? Well, there's no doubt that they saw a remarkable leader. Okay. I mean, uh, th- th- this man uh, not only led the first group of um, people to return, he was the one uh, who got the new community established and, of course, eventually the temple itself rebuilt. That was a massive, massive achievement. And the logistics of that, the complexity of organizing an entire mm. community, I mean, this man was an extraordinary leader. Yeah. And then, of course, you have further returns that happen after him, uh, Ezra. Uh, uh, returns um, uh, uh, 80 years after Zerubbabel first came back. That's an awful long time. And then 13 years after that, you have Nehemiah leading a third group coming back. But the biggest group by far was led by Zerubbabel, the hard work of reconstructing the, the community and especially rebuilding the temple was done by Zerubbabel. 
what Ezra added was that he brought the teaching of the law, which was clearly very, very important. Um, but that happened 80 years later. And then, of course, Nehemiah famously contributed to the rebuilding of the walls around the city and the city's defences. Um, and that's a whole other story. But this man, Zerubbabel, really was the key player in the return of God's people to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Colin, are you a golfer? I am not, which okay. is a dreadful thing for a Scotsman Yeah, to I was say, about to but, say. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know enough about golf to know right now I'm kind of in the, in the, uh, in the long grass. And I... <laughs> <laughs> And they always say you got to let the club head do the work. And right now I want to swing really hard because uh, this is uh, – I want to piece together when we come back after the break. I want to I find out from kind of a 30,000-foot view as to how the prophets would have prophesied about Zerubbabel and how it all fits together in the Old Testament, uh, if you don't mind. That's great. Terrific. Pastor Colin Smith is my guest. You can go to unlockingthebible.org. We'll take a short break and be right back. Smith, we are studying our Old Testament series. Dr. Peter Kapsner is not with me today, and I know he's missing this big time because I spoke to him, and he was really bummed he was going to miss Colin. So uh, we are um, uh, in the Old Testament. Now, as we talk about Zerubbabel, Colin, I want to ask, uh, some of the, the contemporary prophets w- would have been Haggai and Zechariah. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, And they come into uh, Zerubbabel's story later um, in the process. So maybe uh, just if we follow the story of uh, Zerubbabel uh, in the order of the events that unfolded, that might be the easiest way for uh, folks who are are following us to to see that. But it's a really important part of the story, and we'll certainly get to it. But where it begins, really, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about um, uh, chapter one and how God stirred the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. I mean, here's a new king. Babylon's on the way down as a kingdom and Persia's on the way up. And the new king has a completely different policy. Um, The the old Babylonian uh, empire... Um, the Babylonian kings had the idea that if you want to control people, you know, disorient them, put them, hmm. uh, re- repatriate them, move sure. them to another place and so forth. That's why Daniel and Ezekiel and these folks were taken off to exile. Cyrus had completely opposite view. He, he, he took the view that if you wanted people to, um, uh, to uh, the kingdom to do well, that people needed to have a degree of contentment and therefore you should not oppose their religion. You should encourage it. Um, uh, you should allow them to live uh, where they want to live. You should give them much greater freedom. So he has this radical reversion of, of policy 
And the Bible says it was God who stirred up his heart. I, I love that. God can stir the heart of those who don't believe in him as well as those who do. And then it tells us that God stirred up Zerubbabel's heart and um, he then led this return. But what was striking to, 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 to me about it, uh, Bill, was that uh, one scholar estimates that probably only one in six people who could have returned with Zerubbabel actually did which is an indication that many of God's people had just become comfortable uh, mm. in their own lives. They weren't ready to do it. And so in chapter 2, you have this kind of role of honor that lists, well, it's about 50,000 people. If you put all the numbers together, it's about 50,000. About one in six who could have returned came back. And then that gets you to chapter 3. And um, you say, well, what happened then? What, what's the next thing we're going to be told? It's just striking to me. It said, Let me read it. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 1. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Yeshua, another important um, uh, character here, the son of uh, Josadak, with his fellow priests, and our man Zerubbabel, the shirt, uh, son of Shealtiel, with his kinsmen, and what did they do? They built the altar of the God of Israel. I think wow. so striking, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine 50,000 people arrive in a ruined city and everything that has to be done? We've got to build homes. We've got to have a, a food supply, a chain that's uh, organized and everything that needs to be done. But the first thing they did is they built the altar to God. Mm. And, uh, you know, it just speaks of the priority of, of worship. They, they get there and they say the very first thing we're going to do is to offer ourselves to God. I think that's the significant of, uh, significance of the burnt offering where the whole of it was given to God. And, and here are people who start the right way. They say the first thing for us is um, uh, to offer ourselves to God. And it says they did this, verse 3 of uh, Ezra chapter 3. They set the altar in place. For fear was on them because of the people of the lands. Well, there you are. There's all kinds of uh, influ um, motivations for walking with the Lord. But um, here's one of them. They, they thought, oh, my goodness, we've got so much trouble. We've got so much against us. We'd better have God for us. So we'd better put him first. And they mm. build the altar. And uh, uh, whatever the motivation of it. Um, they offer themselves to God. And then the next thing that they do in that chapter, um, the scripture tells us that they celebrated the Feast of Booths, which was this marvelous celebration of how God had preserved his people during the years uh, when they had been uh, in the desert coming from Egypt to the Promised Land. And uh, the way they celebrated this was that they built these temporary outdoor shelters and went and lived in them for an entire week. And I, I could well imagine uh, myself um, uh, thinking, uh, boy, do we really have time to do this a whole week for a celebration of the Feast of Booths? But these folks were wise. They knew they had so much to do that if they didn't have the joy of the Lord in their hearts, they wouldn't get anything done. So, so, so worship is really important here in the building of the altar and in the celebrating of the Feast of Booths. Mm -hmm. I love that when they arrive, they want to they want to build a temple. They want to worship. Uh, yep. I don't know if our priorities today would be the same. We'd get to an uh, abandoned city. We'd want to get a Wi-Fi signal. 
Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I do think that's one of the significant um, lessons for us here, and it comes across all of these years. Uh, the here are people who are afraid, and their answer to that is, "I have to give myself to God because if God be for us, who can be against us?" Mm-hmm. Here are people who are overwhelmed. And at precisely the point where I'm saying, I don't know how I'm going to get everything done, that's the place where I need to be even more diligent about giving uh, time to God and uh, having time with him so that I'm renewed in strength and spirit in order to be productive, um, as opposed to uh, simply um, uh, pressing on and actually achieving uh, very, very little. Uh, and then, of course, this uh, building of the temple. So interesting, uh, Bill, that uh, when they poured the foundations, uh, people were very, very excited. And um, some of the old men, now these must have been very uh, uh, old uh, people, who could remember the Temple of Solomon that had been destroyed mm. all these years earlier, they were not rejoicing. They were actually weeping because they were surprised at how small the new foundation footprint was. And it was a sense of, is, is this it? Is this really all that it's going to be? And um, I, that speaks to us very much about a day of smaller things. One of the things that can be a burden for those of us who are older is that we can remember marvelous things and perhaps they become even more marvelous in our memory than they originally were. And because we can remember some great old things, we therefore think very little of good things that are happening today. And uh, the the prophets are are very clear in in speaking to that. And Zechariah particularly, don't despise the day of small things. Anything that God does in our day is something to be welcomed celebrated and rejoiced in. And I think that's a very important uh, lesson from this part of the story. Mm -hmm. Pastor Colin Smith is our guest as we're continuing to talk about uh, Zerubbabel, a guy who has three Bs in his name, which is kind of cool, especially fun for Colin to pronounce coming from Scotland. Uh, But as we continue the story, Colin, is it safe to say that Zerubbabel obeyed the voice of the Lord and was faithful to the work that God called him? Yes, that's exactly right. Um, But uh, what he found was that in being faithful, he faced all kinds of opposition. Yeah, maybe we can can talk about that after the break? That would be just great. Yeah, that would be perfect, because I think that would be a nice way to start uh, the second half. Um, Thank you for uh, being with me today. We're continuing our study of uh, characters of the Old Testament, and today it is Zerubbabel. Uh, with Pastor Colin Smith. You can go to unlockingthebible.org. Of course, you hear Colin every day here on Faith Radio, and I know you love him, as do I, and I'm always glad to have him on the program. So we'll take a short break and continue our study of Zerubbabel in just a minute. Show with Bill Arno, drive time, drive time, 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. If you did just jump in your car, we're talking to Pastor Colin Smith today about uh, Zerubbabel, and this is our Old Testament series. Uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner is not with me today, but I know he's missing this uh, hour with uh, Colin because it is outstanding. Colin, right before the break, I was asking you about uh, Zerubbabel, and, and was he a person who obeyed the voice of the Lord? And was he faithful to the work that God called him? And then you were going to give me a wonderful answer. <laughs> Well, he certainly was. I mean, he is uh, uh, clearly one of the uh, heroes of um, uh, this particular part of the uh, Bible story. But the thing that's very striking to me is that as someone who was faithful to the Lord and who led God's people, he ran into extraordinary and relentless uh, opposition. Uh, And the story of that really um, gets going in um, uh, Ezra in chapter 4, where we we read about adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, hearing that the exiles were rebuilding the temple uh, of the Lord. And um, uh, these adversaries were told in chapter 4 and verse 4, they discouraged the people of Judah They made them afraid to build, so discouraged and afraid. They bribed counsellors against them to frustrate their purpose. Mm. And then it says that this happened all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now that, uh, when you put the dates together, is a period of 16 years. It is extraordinary that when God's people came back under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the first thing they did, as we said, was they rebuilt the altar straight away. Then they celebrated the Feast of Booths. Then in the second year uh, uh, after their return, they got going on the rebuilding of the temple. And almost as soon as the rebuilding of the temple got started, it got stopped. The whole thing ground to a halt. And it ground to a halt as a result of the relentless opposition uh, of these people. And uh, isn't it fascinating that the Bible itself actually uh, tells us a story about where uh, God's work was was so vigorously opposed that for a period of 16 years, uh, no progress was made in the uh, rebuilding uh, of the temple. And I I think it's worth actually pausing on that because it's obviously not the end of the story because the temple was rebuilt. But for 16 years, they made no progress. And I I think it's important to to, to take on board that sometimes God's work is slow. And sometimes we, we struggle with that. I mean, there'll be people listening to us, Bill, who have prayed for years for an unconverted loved one Mm -hmm. and maybe more than 16 years. And you say, is it ever going to happen? And here you have a story in the Bible where where people are are, are struggling because um, the work that they long to see going forward just isn't making any progress. Now, of course, we'll get to uh, the point of the story that God always wins in the end. God's purpose always prevails. But there is real value in taking on board that that God's work is sometimes slow. And in the New Testament, we read about uh, the day of evil, you know, in that wonderful passage in Ephesians 6, uh, where uh, Paul describes the armor of God. 
And he says, we've got to put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, we may be able to stand. And then he says, now stand fast. The word stand is used repeatedly. He, he, he's saying, you know, there are some days in which we make marvelous progress. There are other days in which we need simply to maintain our ground. And this is a story that's a really good example of uh, an intensely difficult period where the primary calling of God's people um, in an evil day in that generation was simply that they should stand. And they did do that. Um, and uh, that period lasted for no less than 16 long and hard and difficult years. Colin, I think that's such an important point. I, I know because it's going to be applicable to everybody listening today who have mm-hmm. have prayed diligently for like you say, a loved one to come to faith, and it's been decades, and they wonder why, why the delay? Why would the Lord not be answering the prayer in a more expeditious manner? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, uh, there are many spheres in life in which we may come to times where we wonder why more progress is not being made. Mm-hmm. And it is important in in these times to remember that there are days to be endured as well as days to be enjoyed and that faithfulness um, uh, is seen in both and that there are different seasons in the life of a Christian believer. Oh, you're just full of wisdom today. That was brilliant. Uh, Days to be endured and days to be enjoyed. That is just fantastic. So good. Well, maybe... maybe, um, uh, Bill, that's where we, we uh, get to the prophets, because okay. um, uh, uh, when we turn over to uh, Ezra chapter uh, 5, uh, the two prophets, uh, Haggai and Zechariah, actually make an appearance here. And it, uh, now chapter 4 has been all about this long delay, 16 uh, long um, uh, years. And at the end of chapter 4, we read the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So that was 16 years, the thing ground to a halt. Mm -hmm. And then it says, now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. And then our man Zerubbabel, (laughs) son of Shealtiel, well, he, along with Yeshua, the son of Josedek, arose and began to build uh, the house um, uh, of God. Uh, and the rebuilding went on, it says, with the prophets of God, with them and supporting them. I love that picture, that here were the prophets raised up by God at the right time to get things going again. And the the thing that was really striking to me, and this is like just a, a quick kind of uh, cross-reference, we're told the prophets were Haggai and Zechariah. And if you look at the beginning of the book of Haggai, he started um, his uh, ministry of prophecy uh, to Zerubbabel and to that community in the second year uh, of Darius and in the sixth month on the first day of the month. So Second year of Darius, sixth month, first day. That's when he started to speak the word of God. And then at the end of the chapter in Haggai 1 and verse 15, the work we're told on the house and on the 24th day of that same month. So put these two things together. Nothing happened 
for 16 years and everything changed in 24 days. Mm. The Word of God came wonderfully powerfully. And, uh, you know, I, I think there'll be folks listening to us who will be able to identify with things that were prayed long and hard over many, many years, and nothing seemed to happen. And then suddenly, very wonderfully, in God's gracious timing, everything changed. And uh, that, that seems to me to be the pattern in which God often works. 16 years of nothing happening, 24 days and everything's different. And uh, so when you're enduring times of real difficulty, as God's people did for all these years of relentless opposition, um, never forget that God can change things very, very quickly and that God's purpose always wonderfully prevails. Mm -hmm. Pastor Colin Smith is my guest. We're talking about Zerubbabel. If you just joined, this is one you have to go right to the beginning at MyFaithRadio.com and check the podcast out from the beginning. Colin, can you talk a little bit more about some of the obstacles that they were uh, dealing with? Yes. I mean, uh, the details of it are are not given to us. Okay. Um, uh, We're told that the people of the land were discouraged, that they were afraid, that counselors were bribed against them and frustrated their um, uh, purpose. And uh, so there were clearly a number of um, uh, strategies um, that were used. Um, Some of them were intimidation. Uh, Some of them were legal in terms of the appeal to um, uh, uh, the king and so forth. And ultimately, uh, Darius himself sent a letter that um, was a means of God's grace in opening the way for the work to begin again. So there were multiple dynamics that were going on, and all of them we can relate to, I think, in our own time as well. Um, But the significant thing is that there was a time when little or no progress was made, and there was a time when in God's providence, everything wonderfully changed. Mm -hmm. In Haggai, in chapter 2, it talks about... um, Zerubbabel, son of uh, Shealtiel, my servant, and will wear a signet ring, for it is you whom I have chosen. This is the word of the Lord of hosts. Is there uh, some significance? I know this is more of a debated uh, part of the prophecy, is is the wearing of the ring. Yeah, I've not got a particular uh, insight in regards to uh, uh, the ring beyond what is commonly um, uh, understood in regards to uh, that being a part of the official apparel that would have been worn. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's no problem. So, Colin, just remember, I'm I'm caddying today, and all I can do is suggest maybe an eight iron (laughs) right now. Uh, Where where do we go from here on this amazing story? Well, you know, the sweep of God's purpose is, 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 is very, very wonderful. And I, I suppose the question we ought to ask is, why does any of this matter? Uh, why, why does it matter that God's people returned? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why is that important? Why should we be talking about it today? And I, I, I think the, the, the answer to that is that way back in the beginning of, uh, by, back in the time of Moses, God had said, that there would be a place where he would put his name. You have that in uh, Deuteronomy and um, in uh, chapter 12. Uh, you shall not worship the Lord your God you know, at any place of your own choosing. You'll seek the place that the Lord will choose to put his name and his habitation. There, there um, you shall go. Now, when God's people came into the promised land in the time of King David, he discerned 
that the place that God would put his name was going to be the city of Jerusalem. And that's why he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and wanted to build the temple there, which, of course, fell to his son Solomon to actually uh, accomplish. And, and the, the point here then is that Jerusalem and the temple uh, were, were, were there because it was the purpose and the plan of God that there should be a place on earth where his presence and his blessing should be made wonderfully known. And that's why it was so important that there should be a return to the place where God had put his name, uh, that the temple itself should, should, should be rebuilt. But when the temple was rebuilt under the leadership of Zerubbabel, there was a real problem. The presence of God came down in this marvelous cloud when uh, the first temple that Solomon built was dedicated. The cloud of God's glory filled that first temple. But nothing like that happened in the second temple. And the reason was surely this, that God had said his presence would come down to the Ark of the Covenant. And when Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant was lost. Mm. Wow. And it's never been recovered, despite Indiana Jones and all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for very good reason. Um, so now you had uh, the, the most holy place at the center of the temple becomes an empty room. And so the question is, okay, now we have the place to worship, but how are we really going to be, uh, find the presence and the blessing of God? And of course, that points us to the Lord Jesus Christ and his remarkable words, where he refers to his own body as being the temple. He himself is now the meeting place between us and God. And that's why he says in John's Gospel, it's recorded, you know, you tear this uh, uh, temple down in three days and I will, will um, uh, raise it up again. And they thought he was talking about the building. No, he was talking about his own self, his own body, because Jesus Christ is now the meeting place between, between God and man. And that, that takes us to the whole purpose of the church. It's the purpose of God that in every community, there should be a place where his presence, a place is where his presence and his blessing uh, is known and, and where people are able to say, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is among you. And that's the whole purpose of the church. That's why we gather for worship. That's why you and I, Bill, will always want to encourage people who listen to the radio to, to be part of a local church and mm -hmm. to be part of a community of believers because this is part of the purpose of God until the day when all of his redeemed community are gathered in heaven. So that's really the big picture of the flow of the story yeah. and where the temple and the return to Jerusalem fit into it as a whole. Oh, that's fantastic, Colin. I have a couple questions. We have one more short break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion on Zerubbabel with Pastor Colin Smith. You can go to unlockingthebible.org. Learn more about Colin, but of course you hear him every day here at Faith Radio. Be right back. back with Pastor Colin Smith, a Scottish pastor who does not play golf, and I'm making all these references to golf. He's probably 
uh, quite bugged by now. But <laughs> I think we're on about the 16th hole, so we have a couple holes left to go, Colin, before we finish this uh, round. I think we're just like under par, which is great. But when we, uh, when I think of Zerubbabel doing this work 16 years with no progress, yet the eyes of the Lord were upon this project, and it he was making sure that it would be com- uh, completed according to his will. Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, the Lord, um, uh, Zerubbabel, remained faithful yeah. uh, to the Lord. And I think that's a real encouragement. There'll be folks who are faithful servants of God who are listening to us right now, Bill, who feel, I, I, you know, I'm working so hard and um, I'm serving the Lord and I'm, I, I don't feel that I'm making any progress. I, I, you know, I, if, if we go by data and statistics... Um, I can't see that we're moving forward. And this story ought to be a real encouragement. I mean, anyone who's teaching children, you can labor for years uh, trying to lay a foundation. And sometimes you wonder, am I making any progress with these children? um, uh, Am I really getting anywhere with them? It's a common experience. Pastors often feel Mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, uh, these are difficult days, and uh, it sometimes feels like we're losing ground rather than gaining ground. That can be a really difficult thing. And so Zerubbabel um, uh, knew um, that experience, and these things are recorded for us in Scripture. There is such a thing as the evil day. But the thing to remember in the day when you feel that you are not making much progress and your calling is simply to stand is that God's purposes do always ultimately prevail and God can do more than we think. And uh, I just love this fact that after 16 years of so little progress, everything changed in 24 days. That's uh, that's a little uh, hint of how God often works, and uh, it ought to keep us encouraged. Mm-hmm. Colin, I know it would be uh, meaningful if you were, if you could encourage some of our pastors and teachers and educators who maybe even through this COVID period have felt a little beat up or a little defeated or a little flat, and they're wondering, am I making a difference? Yes. Um, uh, well, my encouragement uh, is, uh, is simply this, that uh, as a pastor or as a leader in any sphere uh, in the church, um, we are given um, the greatest privilege that a person could know um, uh, in this life. Uh, what greater thing could there be than to serve the living God, to love him and to love his people and to be faithful in season and out of season? And I guess that means under all circumstances, the most encouraging times and the most difficult times. It's always been like this. The story of Zerubbabel reminds us just of how difficult it was. I mean, he makes this great venture. Maybe there's someone who's planting a church listening to us right now, Bill. And you know, they, they've, they've made this great venture, put everything into it. And now it seems like things are stuck. Mm-hmm. You say, well, where is God in this? Well, you know, God's right in the middle of this. And God in his mercy and in his grace will cause his purposes to prevail. So um, stay faithful. Uh, don't become unduly discouraged. Remember the priority of worship. Remember that God sees and knows the heart, that we stand in difficult times and then he brings us into seasons of greater progress and that uh, staying faithful uh, brings great and wonderful reward. Mm -hmm. Colin, I'm always curious how things end uh, for prophets and for people who are called to do what God has called them to do. How did things end for Zerubbabel? 
Well, I think the thing about Zerubbabel um, is that it's very clear that uh, he has a successor um, who comes a, a long time later. But um, the, the, the story doesn't um, uh, end with Zerubbabel. It's continued um, uh, years later by uh, Ezra, and then he's not the end of the story. It's continued by Nehemiah. And I find that very, very helpful. I, I, I'm, by God's grace, a link in a chain. I, I carry um, the baton uh, for a certain run, and then someone else will take it further. And that's part of the joy of the same race. It's the same work. And it, it, it's not about me. It's about how um, God's work can move forward as I seek to contribute to it along with others during the time that I have. And I love the fact that uh, Zerubbabel takes his place in the line of succession and supremely, of course, the line of succession that leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So how long did it take to rebuild the temple? Well, it actually only took four years. Okay. Uh, four years of hard work after yeah. 16 years of delay. So that really tells you something. It, it just shows that there are very, very different seasons in the Christian life. And I think that's the thing to take away from it, um, uh, that uh, uh, there was a period of intense opposition and then there was a period of marvelous progress. And uh, so don't give up during the period of opposition and difficulty. That's the that's the encouragement. Mm-hmm. Well, it the Lord must have been very uh, pleased with Zerubbabel's efforts in, in returning the captives to Jerusalem and, and building the temple and I think reestablishing the temple worship. I think so. Wouldn't he be an interesting character for us to talk to in heaven? Oh, yes. There'll be so many characters and conversations that will be part of our joy in the uh, nearer presence uh, of the Lord. And for sure, Zerubbabel someone I'll be very interested to uh, hear uh, more about because we'd only given the outlines of his story, um, but his story surely speaks to us today. And uh, I have found that to be very helpful, very challenging and I hope encouraging for uh, God's people. Uh, we're living at a time where we're kind of coming out of a long period of disruption. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is a story that uh, speaks in a timely way for us today and uh, encourages us with what God can do through people whose hearts he will stir. Yeah. Uh, Colin, just in the couple of minutes we have left, uh, again, if you have anything more about how this is relevant to today as we go about uh hearing the story of Zerubbabel and, and how we walk it out in our life today? Well, maybe the place uh, to uh, end this is actually to go back to the beginning and this um, uh, marvelous uh, truth that uh, God um, stirs uh, people's hearts. And um, the king of, uh, of Persia, here's this man who doesn't know the Lord, uh, but God stirs up his heart and he gives this permission uh, for uh, God's people to go back. And, uh, and then it says this, Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred. Oh, wow. Everyone whose spirit God mm. had stirred to go up and to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And these were the ones, the 50,000 who then returned uh, under the leadership of our man uh, Zerubbabel. So I suppose the, the, the challenge at the end of this story would be 
um, that God would stir our hearts, not simply to pursue what is easiest or most comfortable, but to do what he calls us to do for the advance of his kingdom and for his glory. Mm-hmm. For every one person whose heart was stirred, there were five, it seems, who just stayed in um, uh, stayed in uh, Babylon. And it must have been hard for the ones who were stirred to say goodbye to loved ones and say, we're going to Jerusalem. And no doubt there were families divided and folks who said, well, you go if you want to, we're not coming. Though it's interesting to me that when you get to the second return, all of those, almost without exception, almost without exception, those who came with Ezra in the second return were actually relatives, members of the same family of those who had pressed forward in the first return. That says to me, be faithful to Christ. Do what he's calling you to do. And as loved ones see your faithfulness, trust God to use that as part of what he will in time do in their lives, that they in their time too may by his grace one day follow. Mm. Colin, you are such a gifted communicator. Thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, what a joy to be able to talk about such a wonderful part of the Bible. I couldn't agree more, and I'm so grateful. Thank you again, and I hope you have a wonderful uh, evening. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Pastor Colin Smith has been my guest. Unlockingthebible.org. You can head over there, check it out. That's our show for today. Hope you have a wonderful evening. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.